0: Uh, Let's turn now to our reading for today. We are in the book of Acts, as I said, chapter 2, and we will begin in verse 41. I'm going to have my friend Joel come up and read, and as he comes up, will you stand for the reading of God's Word? All right, Acts 2 and verse 41. Uh, So those who received His Word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls, and they devoted themselves, the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all those who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need." And day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks this morning for your glorious word, for your righteousness, and your never-ceasing goodness towards us. We give You thanks also for the missionary heart that You have laid in some of the people in this very room through the work of Your Spirit. We thank You for the ministry in Ecuador. And we pray, Lord, that it won't be the shots or the medicine that these people think will save them, but that those things would be tools, bridges, if you will, to lead them to You and to Your Gospel. We thank You too for Albert and Jack's safe return. We pray, Lord, for this summer season. I pray, God, for uh, family schedules. I pray, God, that um, the families of this church would never let the idea of vacation be more on the front of their mind than their relationship with You. I pray too, Lord, for continual fellowship. It's good to have seasons of rest and of play and of travel and of discovery. But I pray, Lord, that some of that travel would be with the one another's of your church finally lord i just thank you for this church i thank you for your church globally of course i thank you for the wonderful blessing that you've displayed in this nation by the strength of the church in this country but i today pray to you and say thank you for this church for it has had a deep impact in my life and i know in so many others it's only by you and your spirit lord so use this this morning in the same way In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. As I said, we're stepping out of the Gospel of Luke, and my task was to consider what are some of my favorite passages. I don't know if I'm honestly going to admit to you that This is one of my favorite passages. However, it is certainly one of the most impactful. I have come from a non-Christian home and my upbringing was pretty up and down to say the least. And when I discovered the church, I didn't just discover God, I discovered a community. And I believe that the Lord has asked me to devote my life to the aiding in this community. And so it begs the question what are we here to actually do what is a healthy church what is our mission who are we supposed to be and of course what's my role in the middle of it all that's what i hope to get through today but i want to start by talking about basketball well not really i like to play basketball i'm a c minus athlete across the board but I uh, recently got my toe stepped on and kind of like jacked up my toe, my toenails, and I had an infection. So I had to go to the doctor. And we've all had this before, right? You have a little injury and you go to the doctor and you say, hey, I, I, you know, I got this thing. Can you look at it? And of course, I have a toe problem. And he says, well, here, sit up on this table and let me take a look at you. And he puts the thing on your chest, you know, and I'm looking at my toe and he says, well, how are you feeling? I, I feel Fine except for my toe way down there and of course they want to look at your eyes and they want to look at your ears and they say you know they they want to put their finger I don't know what any nobody knows this is fake nobody knows what they're doing I say I'm fine and then he goes and checks my whole body I thought to myself did you not believe me when I said I was fine of course I should not be the judge of whether I'm fine or not, because the definition or standard of health is not just based on my feelings, my interpretation of how I feel. I still did have to say, hey, remember the toe, right, before we leave, don't don't forget to look at that. The text in Acts chapter 2 is famous because this is the inauguration, the birth of the church. The very church that you and I are sitting in today had a beginning. And that beginning has a record. We can go back to the beginning of the church. But it is not just a historical picture. It is also a model of what the church is. This text, maybe you could say, is a description of the vital signs of the church. See, many of us today can tend to view the church through the lens of what we get or maybe how we feel or maybe the church is good or bad, healthy or not by how big it is. But all of those interpretations take our position first and we lay our opinion over the top of it i would submit to you this morning that you should ask yourself the question what is god wanting from his church and are you giving it to him what does god want from his bride what is he looking for is it a big church is it a church that just makes you feel good Is it a church that politically leans one way or another? Are you giving Him what He wants in return to what He gave to you? I believe this text gives us a standard of a healthy church, but it also provides a model, as I said, this model of expression, how the church lives its day-to-day life. I just want to start by saying I've spent almost 15 years looking at these verses. I truly believe that. This is a massive influence in my life. I believe the crossing is as good at this as I've ever seen in my life. That's not just to blow smoke or to make you feel good. I believe that this church has whittled down off of the most of the fat. They're not perfect. We're not perfect, but we are seeking to keep the standard that God has set not the standard we've created now because we are a healthy church don't get too comfortable in your seat if we stay healthy but do nothing we cannot maintain our health and just keep the status quo so here's my point i hope today that we will see two major points in this text the first one Point number one, the vital signs of a healthy church. That's verses 41 and 42. The second one is the vital expression of a healthy church. And that's verses 43 through 47. The vital signs of a healthy church and the vital expression. Now, because we haven't spent a lot of time in the book of Acts, at least recently, I think it's proper that we take just a little bit of time to get our bearings, if you will. And I know this is weird, but I'm going to ask you not to turn to the book of Acts, but actually to the end of the Gospel of Luke. If you will, turn to Luke chapter 24. Jesus has died and resurrected and this is the final moments before Jesus' ascension and He's speaking to His disciples that will soon be His apostles. And this is what He says. Verse twenty-four, forty-four. And He says to them, These are the words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about Me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Look at verse 45. Note this. Then He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. In verse 47 later, he says, pardon me, pardon me, verse 46. And then he says, thus it is, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name in all the nations where beginning in Jerusalem. He says then to these disciples you are witnesses of these things and behold i'm sending the promise of my father upon you meaning the holy spirit so stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high now we need to remember that luke is writing a letter in the gospel of luke right to his friend theophilus now The Gospel of Luke is really the first part of a two-part letter to his friend. The second part is the book of Acts. It's the life and times of Jesus, and the book of Acts picks up where Jesus ascends and carries on to the birth and expansion of the church. That's what this book is about. So the disciples at the beginning of the Gospel of Acts, good decision, they listen to Jesus. They see Him ascend and they follow his instruction. They go to Jerusalem and they wait. And about 10 days later, they are praying. Acts chapter 1 says in the beginning of Acts chapter 2. And when they are praying, it says that the Spirit of God comes upon them, it comes upon them in the form of fire. And this is not just realized personally. You know, the person who's like, I have the Holy Spirit. They're like the judge of themselves. But it's actually demonstrated in this miraculous way at the birth of the church. They start speaking in a language they've never known before. It's important to note that that weekend, that day, was the a high holiday of pentecost a jewish holiday so many jews from all over the region speaking different languages had come back to jerusalem after passover 50 days after passover back into jerusalem for this festival and these fishermen these disciples start speaking to these people in languages that they didn't know some were amazed some were curious and one guy piped up and said, man, I just think they're drunk. <laughs> and out of the midst of this, Peter, this kind of headship of the apostles, if you will, stands up and he begins to preach the first Christian sermon ever preached. Oh, how far our friend Peter has come. About 50 days before this, he was afraid of a little teenage girl cowering away. And some of the very people that he denied Jesus in front of, he is now preaching to. And what does he preach? The Scriptures that were illuminated to him at the end of the Gospel of Luke. And it says that the people who listened there were cut to the heart and they asked one fatal question. So what do we do? And Paul gives this amazing answer in chapter 2, verse 38. He says you need to repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. What Luke records next is the picture of how this church began, but the model that I believe you and I are to operate. So this is where we get into the vital signs of the church. We got the lay of the land? We feel pretty good? Okay, point number one. The vital signs of a healthy church. Verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized and there were added about 3000 souls and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now, I, I want to give you this point in kind of five parts. I'm going to give them to you now. Okay. The healthy church must be a saved church. The healthy church must be a biblical church. These are the vital signs. A healthy church must be a fellowshipping church. Number four, a healthy church must be a worshiping church. And number five, a healthy church must be a prayerful church. A healthy church must be saved, biblical, fellowshipping, worshiping, and prayerful. A healthy church must be, number one, a saved church. What's the first thing they did in verse 41? I bet most of your Bibles have a break and it gives a letterhead on starting on verse 42. That's where most people would start. But I don't believe that's the start. What's the first thing that happens? The Word is preached. The Word is received. And they are baptized. I believe that they were baptized that day. They were added to their number, meaning they were added to the family of God. They were given the sign and seal of God's salvation that is the Holy Spirit. You need to know what they were giving up. These are Jewish people in the capital of Judaism saying, I'm rejecting Judaism and accepting the real Messiah. The fulfillment of Judaism, if you will. Socially outcasted. Famili- familiarly separated. Economically, it was going to be rough. And they did it anyway. I love that we have guests at this church. And if you are a guest, you are welcome. I'm so happy that you are here. You might be slightly offended what I'm about to say, but that's okay. This service was not designed for you. I'm happy you're here. It can be super helpful for you and in fact beneficial to you. And I would beg you to come back. But the church of God is healthy because it is a church for the saved. It is the gathering of God's people. We will not be a sinker-sensitive church. because Not just because that's not a good idea. That is not a biblical idea. We will preach the Word to God's people. In other words, who have been illuminated and opened up to them. All are welcome here. But the intention of this gathering is the worship of God through God's people. Number two, the healthy church must be a biblical church. We see this sermon preached by Luke or by um, Peter, and it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What is the teaching of the apostles? I'll revert you back to Luke chapter 24. The teaching of the apostles is a regurgitation of their teaching from Christ Himself. The authoritative Word of God comes from the apostles because they literally heard it from God Himself. Now there are no apostles today Because an apostle is one who has sent, but has also seen and been recognized by Jesus. The authoritative Word, but also in the authoritative presence of God. We have no necessary need for them. Why? Because there is a Bible, the Word of God, that sits in your lap. We don't need more than that. But we must preach just that. May it never be that from this pulpit... We stop a Sunday service, close our Bibles, and say we need to talk about something else. We can talk about something else on Tuesday. I'll send you an email, but here in the gathering of God's people and from this pulpit, if you want to be in a healthy church, you must be hearing the Word of God. Not good ideas, not social experiments, not political enterprise. The Word of God. Number three, the healthy church must be a fellowshipping church. It says that they were devoted to the fellowship. The word meaning here with fellowship is, is, is quite helpful. It kind of means same team, participating together. It's not like a, I don't know, a gym. Where I go to that gym because I like the stuff at the gym and you go to the gym because you like the stuff at the gym and now we agree upon the stuff at the gym so that's why we go together. I don't want you to come to a church because you agree about what the church is or does outside of the vital signs. We are a part and a membership, a togetherness, a group, a team on the same church because of the fellowship that we hold together in the Holy Spirit. Do you understand? It's not. It's inside out, not outside in John First uh, John 1 3 says this we proclaim to you that we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us the question is well what is the fellowship with us and he answers it first John and our fellowship is with the father and with his son Jesus Christ our fellowship together is not that we agree on the same stuff our fellowship together runs far deeper, and more eternally than that. Our fellowship is that we've been adopted by the same God. Saved by the same Messiah. It's not just about likes and dislikes, opinions and preferences. It's about sharing in the same Christ. Sharing in the same reality that we have been saved from death. We get to participate together in the same Great Commission. A synonym for this word, I could say that a fellowshipping church is a loving church. Because your preferences are going to change. As you get older or as you age, what you like and dislike is going to adjust. But our devotion to God is never ending. Love never fails, if you will. A healthy church is a loving church. Number four, a healthy church must be a worshiping church. It says the breaking of, notice this, there's a a definite article there, right? Read in verse 41, the or verse 42, the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now it says later on in the text that there's breaking of bread again from house to house. But I want to make this distinction to you, if you will, there's a lot of debate about this text. Just. Just let me preach it this way because we're going to cover both bases. The breaking of bread is referring to, most likely, the ordinances of communion that was instituted by God when He converted the Passover table to the communion table at the Last Supper. They devoted themselves to the institutional elements of worship. Notice back in verse 41. In the in our belief system we have two major ordinances they are communion and baptism, and they're both mentioned in the first two verses of the birth of the church. But not just that, worship isn't just the ordinances. Many people would think that worship is just singing. That is too one part of it. Isn't fellowshipping an act of worship? Even praying an act of worship. This is our Sunday service. They devoted themselves to the institutional gathering of God's people and what that should be like. They were devoted to the public worship of God together. Last one. The healthy church must be a prayerful church and they devoted themselves to prayer. Simply seeking God and devotion to communication with Him by His standards and His design, not our own notice in verse 46 that says that they joined they went to the temple together this opportunity to come together and to pray it's reasonable to think that it's not just the institutional prayer like we get together at church and we pray but also the personal relationship with a prayerful life a healthy church is made up of individual people collected by God who will pray to him communally and separately and this is part of our fellowship. Beloved, that's the church. That's it. It can certainly, at times, be more than that, but it must never be less than that. You think, well, that's a pretty short list. The church is a quite complicated thing. That's the brilliance of it. Imagine the church 4,000 years ago, imagine the underground church in China. We could probably do more here in the freedom of this country and the beauty of our leadership and the wealth of our nation here in this church, but the church can tr- still be the true church in a backcountry village uh, far away from this land in some other country. This church can still be the church if they devote themselves to these five things when they are heavily persecuted. The beauty of this is that it is a flexible model that is possible under different cultures, different historical circumstances, and different levels of persecution. But we don't want this stuff only, do we? We get bored of the same thing over and over again. We can get frustrated that the church is not more entertaining, or more inciting, or more helpful. We can get bored. I'm going to devote my life to this and day after day, just meals and prayer and church meals and I feel like that is my life. You know who gets bored easily? Children. My children have an attention span that is about this long. And I will confess to you that sometimes so do I. When I get into my stinking thinking and my position is I want this to be about me. I want the church to be about how I feel. I want my life to help me feel better. What I have done is making the world about me instead of me, about glorifying God. The fourth chapter of Ephesians tells us the church is gathered together until it becomes mature. How mature? To the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ. We are to grow up in Him till we behave like Him. We must not be an immature church who gets bored so easily. Children tend to believe their lives should be filled with things that entertain them, not adults. It's immature people who get bored easily, not mature people. A church that keeps trying to do a new thing. Let's rediscover the wheel. Let's shake things up a bit. Let's try a new approach. It's quite possible that it is not a church at all. Here's an illustration. Let me paint this picture. I believe that the garage of the suburban household is the single largest culprit to the shopping addiction that we have in this country. What is the garage for? Ladies, let me tell you, you may not know this, it's for your car. (laughs) You have made an investment, and you don't want to put that investment out in the rain. So you put that investment inside of a carport, more formally known. But that is not how it works in my house. I take the second largest investment I've ever made in my life, and I put it out in the yard. And you know what I do? I fill my garage with bicycles. I got three kids and 12 bikes. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) We have garages and that needs to be a workstation. And oh, it needs to be the place where we store our Christmas stuff and the lawnmower and put cabinets in. And oh, we need a second refrigerator. And now the kids want to paint chalk all over my garage floor. This is a true story. I come home to like, what is this? And you know what the garage isn't? The garage is no longer doing what it was designed to do. Isn't that true of us? Maybe not here in this church, but in this country and in history, when we try to add to the church and make it a new thing, make it a more vibrant thing, make it a more entertaining thing. One day we look up and we say, we are not a church at all. Okay. I got kind of intense, but let's just stop for a second. Uh, pretend that our church is at the doctor, and we are checking our vital signs. How is the crossing doing? Are we a saved church? We mentioned the visitors are welcome, but this is for believers. We have covenant partners. The true church has a in the church and a out of the church i believe we are healthy here are we a biblical church we only preach the scripture from this pulpit it's expositional preaching but not just here on sunday in life groups and in journey groups and in high school study and in college study and in mom's group the word is preached from day to day even in children's church we are preaching the gospel to our students that is not daycare over there that is training tnt the garden club all of these things are preaching the church and maybe what we do best the fellowship of the church the loving of the church we are a life on life church here we live in gospel community let me prove it to you raise your hand if you have ever been invited to the home of somebody else sitting in this room that doesn't share your last name raise your hand if you've ever invited someone to your home who doesn't share your last name Raise your hand if you're living in someone's home that's in this room that doesn't share your saying. <laughs> that was a, a joke for my friend. Okay, uh, a healthy church must be a worshiping church. We don't just worship here in song. We worship together day by day. And speaking of day by day, are we a praying church? Sure. Could we be better in all these things? Absolutely. But we're not just praying here on Sunday morning. Did you notice Cole's prayer in between the worship? Do you pray at your life group? When one of you is in the hospital, do you go or does someone come to you and pray with you? I got to believe, honestly, guys, I think this is the healthiest I've seen a church. Our vital signs are good. But my question to you is what are you going to do with that health? Imagine going to the doctor and the guy says, the doctor says, man, you are really good health. What are you doing to be healthy? Just a lot of potato chips and movies. The doctor would say, your vital signs aren't going to stay that good if you continue in that way. We aren't just healthy for our own purposes. The vital signs are meant to help us express the life of the church in a very unique way. That brings us to the second point. We're going to go very fast here. The vital expression of a healthy church. This is point number two, verses 43 for 47. Let me read it to you real quick. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness or with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Point number two comes to you again in five little parts. I'll give them to you now. Healthy expression of a church is an awestruck church. The healthy expression of a church is a united church. The healthy expression of a church is a generous church church the healthy expression of a church is a joyful church and a healthy expression of a church is a growing church we find that in 43 through 47 one more time awestruck united generous joyful and growing a healthy church is an awestruck church this word literally is where we get the word um, phobia it's a fear it's a reverence the first time you got up Close and personal at the zoo with a lion, you might be awestruck. There is an amazement, but also a power. We must note here that only people can be awestruck, not institutions. The church is not a building, the church is not a philosophy, the church is a collection. Notice here in verse 43 of souls 3,000 souls were added. This language is reflected in our church. Do we call this a church service? No, we call this the gathering of the church. Do we call this building a church? No, we call it a church building. And this is intentional because this is not the church. You are the church and we are to be a awestruck people. What are they in awe of? Most people would say that the signs and wonders, you see that right after it? They were in awe and many signs and wonders were being done. But the sentence, that word is actually sandwiched between two parts of the sentence. It was sandwiched between the normal, ordinary, everyday actions of the church. And they were awestruck at signs and wonders. Are you still in awe of what God's doing in the day-to-day part of the church? Do you open your Bible at 5 in the morning or 6 in the morning and you are in awe at the Word of God is there still an amazement when we get to take communion together or is it old hat to you all is an expression of a healthy church number two healthy church is a united church all the believers, notice, all were together. This is the believers of the different cultures from different backgrounds who ten verses ago didn't even speak the same language. And they are united. That's where a, a paralleled word to the word common. They had all things in common is where we get this united verse. This is in verse 44. The word common is a word easily translated to sharing together now this is not (laughs) some have taken this verse and tried to promote like communism and socialism through it nothing could be farther from the truth the bible makes no political statement toward that in fact there's many verses that would push against communism they shared they had all things in common but they didn't give everything away notice later in the text it says they went to each other's houses if i gave everything away how do i still have a house we're not promoting communism here we're promoting that the love of the saint loves its brother so much that anything is on the table. Notice the song that we read that we sang earlier. I was tearing up when Cole was reading this. This is the opening stanza. My worth is not in what I own. My worth is not in what I own, not in strength of flesh and bone, but in the costly wounds of love at the cross. Because of what Jesus has done for me, anything is on the table for Him. And if He wants me to give of my house for the love of my neighbor, amen. Oh, but Beck, this is too risky. We can't be too extreme. What if we give of everything and now we're impoverished? Let me just tell you, if Lindsay and I were to die because we gave everything away and we had no money and we, you guys didn't feed us and the Lord just, I don't know, forgot... I think I would be okay to stand in glory before the Father and say, I've given everything for you. And it would pale in comparison to what He gave to me. We are a united church because we are a sharing together church. Until we attain, this is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13 again, until we attain unity in the faith, We're not just united in our physical stuff, but we're united in our agreement of who Christ is. So to what degree are we together? All things. I believe there is no theological, logical, or reasonable argument you could make to me to diminish the word all things to mean something less than it means. Just underline it in your Bible and sit on that. The church is fundamentally a body of believers unified by the work of Christ, through the teaching of Christ, for the purpose of Christ. And you know how they do it? And they were together. Together mentally, together spiritually, but they were also physically together. These believers were together. A healthy church cannot be a separated church. A healthy Christian cannot be a loner Christian. I think it was Aaron who said, there's no such thing as a maverick Christian. You can be out there, but don't say you're healthy. There is a giving and receiving in the body of Christ. We need to be alone from time to time. Jesus got alone. My wife likes being alone more than anybody I've ever met. But we are to be fundamentally together. The church is a healthy church when it's together. Number Three, the church is a generous church. The healthy church is a generous church. Now, let's talk about some practicality here historically. These are a group of people that have come from all over this region to this town that they are not from. They didn't get what they expected because they got saved and they got the Holy Spirit. But now they can't go home. You know why? Because there's not a church to go home to. This is it, Man. This is the only church. Not to mention, too, that they have forsaken their family, forsaken their government, and the Roman Empire isn't too pleased with this whole Christian uprising. They need to stay together because they're facing persecution and there's nowhere else to go. So what do they do? Well, just come into my basement. Here, you can take my bed. Here, I'll just sell my car. You take the money and go and get a hotel room. Let's care for each other. However, we can't just talk about the practicality. I think we can observe from this text the heart of these believers and how they solved a practical problem. The practical issues in this church, hear me, the practical issues in this church are not just economic. They are spiritual. They are a heart problem. Sometimes for the person in trouble. Sometimes for the person who hears about it. But at all times... For the body of Christ. Matthew six twenty one says, "Where your treasure is, there too your heart will be also." The heart of these people was overwhelmingly generous. We are giving people here at this church. You're not just of our money. We give our money, but you give your time. You give your homes. You care for each other. Jack left his family. Albert left his family. About a hundred things happened in terms of spiritual warfare at Jack's house, or at Albert's house. Jack gets sick, and yet still they go to give away. We are a generous people. Maybe you could say it like this Them then and us now are loving our God by loving our neighbor. We want to be a healthy church by being a church that says, I'm going to love you more than I love myself. I'm going to worship God by how I take care of you. And if you don't have a home, then it must bother me because I have one. Let's share. If you don't have a place to eat, come to church. We'll feed you. If you don't have a dad, come to church and we'll give you one. Man, I just, I'm sorry, I just remember being a messed up college kid who hated his home. And I come to this university because I want to be famous and go to the NFL and play football, and none of that worked out. But what I got was an awareness of God's scripture, an illumination of God's love, and a family. You know what I mean? Santini's have treated me like I'm their son. They've got a lot of sons. They don't need no more sons. I don't get second helpings, man. I get the full load. That's Lindsay and I's heart in foster care, and I see it all over the place here. I'm, we got a million things wrong with us. We're deficient in ways of our understanding of God here. We don't love each other the best we can, but man, we are a generous people. And I, um, I just want to say thanks for that. A healthy church, number four, is a joyous church. These people are taking on persecution, trial, difficulty. Imagine, if you will, if you are a, a new Christian and it's like, okay, welcome to Christianity. Here's what we want you to do. We want you to devote yourself to somebody else and let him tell you how to live your life. His name is Jesus. Okay, you got to get rid of all that stuff that you love in the world and you got to love Jesus. Oh, and by the way, we have a lot of people that are really struggling. So can you just like sell some of your stuff and don't take the money for yourself. Give it to that person over there. You don't know them, but it doesn't matter. You don't know if you really like each other. You don't even speak the same language, but can you have them over for dinner? And we go to the temple every day together. There's not like a ton of alone time around here. And so this is what it means to be in the church. I would be like, wait, can we stop for a second? I'm an American. We don't do any of that. <laughs> it would seem like a dismal lifestyle to be like, wait, my life has come to this? A healthy church is not one who is like Eeyore walking around. Oh, I have to give. And oh, I have to go to church. And oh, I have to dress up. And oh, I can't watch that. Woe is me. A healthy church is a church that loves being with God's community. That loves worshiping their Lord. Sometimes it's hard. We must deny our flesh. But we are joyous that we have brothers and sisters to help us through that. They were together at the temple joyously in a world that was starting to encroach upon them with hostility and hate. They were a joyous people. It says they got together on the Solomon's portico in Acts 3 and in Acts 5 right outside the temple. Their church wasn't a fancy church. Listen, they didn't have a building. They didn't have a cool sound machine. They didn't have coal up here leading worship. Their church was a pop-up church on a porch. And they were a joyous people. They're selling their stuff. And they're a happy people. They were a worshiping people because of how they shared together with gladness. That's that word. Gladness and joyous or joyful are a similar word. To many folks, or sorry, pardon me. Let's go on to the next one. we got to totally hustle. Number five, a healthy church is a growing church. A healthy church is a growing church. In verse 47, you see these words here. And praising God, say they were generous hearts, praising God, verse 47, and having favor with all of the people, the Lord added to their number day by day. Now, we would say that this idea of praising God is having favor with all the people. But I would say that it's connected. Notice the comma there at the end of verse 46. It's not a period. Day by day they attended the temple. They were breaking bread in homes and they received their food with gladness and in sincerity of heart and they were praising God. They were praising God at their meals. They were praising God in their homes. They were praising God day by day. And they were having favor. They weren't praising God because they were getting favor. They were praising God and it just so happened that God was favoring to them. How so? We can conclude that they weren't getting a ton of favor economically. I just talked to you about all the trials that were about to come. They were getting favor with God because they were living out their Christian lifestyle in close enough shot that their brothers and sisters who were yet to be converted could be curious to the behavior of this new people. They could be interested to the sharing and the giving of one another. And they may even draw near to the temple of God and hear the preaching of God's Word. And God was favorable to them because He orchestrates it in their sovereignty in just a way to get those non-converted people in the right place at the right time to see the people of God, love each other, and love their God, and be curious enough to hear the Word of God preached. The public preaching of God's Word is it, man. That is the growing church. In Acts alone, we see the public preaching of God's Word in Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 7. Notice if you will, that the growing church should just revert right back to verse 41. It's not a line, it's a circle. The Word is preached. People are saved. They devote themselves to the healthy vital signs of the church. They behave in a manner worthy of their calling. They live out their lives in gospel community in front of other people. And then they invite them to hear the preaching of the Word so that others can be saved and it all starts over again. Invite your friends to church. Invite your co-workers to church. Get them close enough that they may hear the Word of God. Because that is the Word that saves. Draw them close enough that the Lord may, just maybe, possibly add to His number those who were being saved. John 13.35 says this, By this all people will know that you are My disciples by how you love one another the loving of each other is not the gospel it's gospel result but you need to hear the gospel the gospel must be preached the gospel needs to be proclaimed the loving of each other is an identifying mark to the rest of the world that says those people are acting different those people keep putting people in their basement my neighbors think we're crazy we have a foster kid i just took on a college kid and i was like so close to just saying I just think his brother should move (laughs) into the example to our neighbors isn't preaching yet but by God's will maybe it could be that they would know that we are his disciples by how we love one another but favor is not always the response of the world is it we shouldn't have an expectation of a super high success rate in other words We should not be thwarted by what goes wrong. We should continually pursue because of what has gone right in the resurrected Christ. Uh, Matt Semher says this, we tend to say the church grew. Acts tends to say the word spread. We talk about church growth. Acts talks about word growing. Preach the word and let God take care of the size of your church. He will add to the number daily. And He will grow this place. pray not only that every seat gets filled, I pray we got to pack in them. I do pray, however, just if I'm being honest, that we would never add an addition onto this church because we needed a bigger sanctuary. I pray that we send people out of this church to plant more churches in more places doing the same things. Because that's what we see in Acts chapter 8, the church in Jerusalem didn't just grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. Eventually, they sent them out over the walls to the rest of the world. And you and I are beneficiaries of that decision today. Praise God for that. Let's give a quick application, a couple quick application points and then we'll be done. So, we have the vital signs of a healthy church. And we have the vital expression of a healthy church How do we bring this home for you and I? I ask myself a question every time I prepare a sermon when it comes to application. What am I asking the people to do, to believe, or to repent of? And most of the time, it's just like one of those things. But today, I believe it's three, all three of them. And so here's your three applications to do. What do I believe this text is asking us to do? Beloved, I believe it's asking us to do exactly what it says. Don't over-spiritualize this. Don't historize this. Well, that was the persecuted church, Beck. That's a different scenario. In some cases, that's true. If I had a persecution that they had persecution, my faith would bubble up. I don't want my faith to bubble up when it's prodded by the devil. I want my faith to bubble up because of the resurrection of a king. I don't want to be drawn because... I don't want to be a good dad because a challenging time comes. I want to be a good dad all the time. And when the challenging time comes, I'm practiced in stepping up. Let's not use that as an excuse to say, well, we don't have to do this because those situations or those scenarios were different. Can we just be faithful to what it says? That doesn't seem like a very nice thing to say. You come to church, you hear this encouraging message, and it's like, go and do. You're not doing enough. I don't understand that. But there is a work in the church. There is a doing. You shouldn't overlook that. If you're still struggling, let me help you with your next point. What am I asking you to believe? If you'll notice, spend some time in this text, and read the pattern of this text over and over again, you're going to start to recognize the behavior of these people like a friend. It's like I know somebody who does this. You do. And His name is Jesus. This is not a program that orchestrates that something pleasing to Christ. This is the very life and nature of Christ. What's the first thing that happened? They repented, they believed, they received the Spirit. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit that willed and worked these people that just 40 days or 50 days before that were screaming, crucify Him. And are now living and behaving just like Him. I'm not asking you to do something in your own effort. I'm asking you to believe that the Spirit of God is living and active and it dwells in the hearts of believers. I'm asking you to believe that you are not to be your best version of yourself at church. We are to yield to God and let the Spirit of God (coughs) work in us in such a way that we would behave like children of God. I'm asking you to believe that the Gospel is working in your heart if you are regenerate I believe this is bubbling in you man I do I lay awake at night and I think God am I is this church giving back to you what you're asking for and I truly believe I've had conversations with many of you you're asking some of the same questions you're saying Lord I want to give you my life in such a way that it would reflect back to you what you paid for and not just the young people I mean, I don't mean to calm out. I know you won't appreciate it, but Don Moore is a major influence in my life. And this guy has never said, well, I'm too old for that, or I'm quitting that, or it's somebody else's baton. He is still, Grace and Don are still wrestling with being sanctified in Christ to say, Lord, I want to give You more of Myself. I hope this is bubbling up in us. And I believe it's bubbling up in many of us. But the text said, what, happened, what it looks like if it bubbles up in you? all of us are you disenfranchised with it are you bored with this this is not condemnation this is a beseeching you to just believe in the gospel of your salvation and watch him work and the last thing is repent not all of us but some of us there may be some of us here that need to repent of viewing church in a different way I come to church because this is what I get. I'll give when I want to give. I'll pray when I want to pray. And if there ain't a good football game on, I will come on Sunday morning. I don't want to scold you. I don't want to correct you. I want to beg you to say, don't you want to see this in our day and age? In many ways, we are. But I wonder what it would look like if the church unified started believing And doing and repenting of the same things and saying, God, I just want to give you what you asked for. I think there's a word for that. It's called revival. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. I thank you for your helping hand with us. I thank you, Lord, for giving such simple people like you and I an instruction and a playbook of what the church is to look like. We don't have to guess. We don't have to wonder what You want or what You're asking for, and we don't even have to do it. You've done all the work out of Your kindness and goodness to us. We thank You, Lord, for this church yet again. I thank You for the ministry of the Word here. I thank You for the expression of generosity for the joyful people that we have. And I thank You for the leadership and the Word preached. I just pray, Lord, that we would not go backwards and that we would not just stay the same because we have healthy vital signs. I pray we would say, What's the next step to giving you what you asked for? I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.